Hey, everybody, welcome back to Boozy Bracketology, the podcast that believes in strong drinks, strong opinions, and crowning champions. And we're working our way through the best 80s movie bracket. That's right, the strike is over. We are back to work. So we're jumping into the drama and prestige portion of this bracket. Now, we are not going to have the play in games on this episode. If you want to hear the play in games, uh, that is going to be a Patreon exclusive bonus going forward. So, any playing games on this bracket, uh, those are going to be over on the Patreon. If you're interested and you want to see that, patreon.com slash PTEBB is your best place to do that. With that being said, let's go ahead, let's meet our panelists, find out how they're doing and what they're drinking. Starting off with my favorite teetotaler, Scott Brill up in Connecticut, my friend. How you doing? What are you drinking? I'm doing very well, Chris. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, and tonight I'm not going to be a teetotaler, at least for this uh, opening bracket that we work with. Um, uh, I don't know how the which order they're going to be in, but uh, at a previous bracket we mentioned how um, Mike and I have uh, something oddly in common that we both have had to and <laughs> partially enjoyed reading uh, James Joyce's Ulysses from start to finish, and I've had to do it multiple times. Yeah. Uh, and because of your suggestion of 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 uh, maybe I would like a smooth whiskey. So it, I'm back to Jameson's tonight, just as a nice little, uh, just as a nice little thing that I can. A, my, what, is there anything mixed in that, or is that straight Jameson? That's, that's a big just, glass. It's very dark. It's it's just just. But my camera's also weird. But it it that's right out of the yeah. bottle. Yeah. So, um, and big um, glass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I, yeah, I'm never going to get through that. I'm going to probably sip like five sips through the whole, whole thing because <laughs> he's right. I am mostly a teetotaler, but, but it's, it's very nice. It's just a nice little smooth thing. So that's very nice to do. So I appreciate all that, but they'll probably be switching to Pepsi somewhere along the line in my life. <laughs> Not a problem. Looking forward to that. Uh, Scott, I will be up in Connecticut next year. So if you oh, and your husband really? are available, we'd like to get some, uh, some dinner with you guys. If that's that cool. would be lovely. Absolutely. Uh, next up, a place that I'm not going anytime soon, but we're going to go out to Australia. Natalie, my friend, how are you doing? What are you drinking? I'm doing very well, thanks. And and I'd like to just put a little bit of an advertisement out there. I think you should all be looking to come here sometime soon. It's very lovely here. And, you know, it's not that long of a plane journey. <laughs> she says uh, giggle at the end because I know that we'll, it is. <laughs> we'll all get the same Qantas plane and come down. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Someday, Natalie, I hope so. It's a dream of mine. Ah, well, if, if any of you ever do come, let me know and I, I'll, I'll play tour guide. So in terms of what I'm drinking, it is morning time here. It's a Friday, so sometimes on a Friday morning, not only if we're recording, not regularly, I could be talked into um, choosing an alcoholic beverage to share, but I am babysitting my best friend's little girl for the first time later today. So I thought it was probably best that I didn't show up under the weather. So I, so I went to the supermarket and thought, what's well, at least get something interesting to drink. And I found this um, alcohol-free margarita. Now, margarita is my favorite cocktail. Alcohol-free margarita, I'm not sure, so sure about, but I thought I would give it a try, something different. Got a pop. Give it a try. Good pop. That's a good strong, pop. Good, strong pop. Oh, it's actually not bad. All right. Yeah. It's, it's certainly drinkable, so... That should get me through. Chris, before we leave Australia, can I, can I ask Natalie a question? Yeah. I'm yeah. not in charge here. So, yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know who's in charge. Uh, so, Natalie, you, Australia is, 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 is home to one of my favorite pieces of trivia of all time. Oh, okay. Do you know, do you know the, the 
the thing about the rabbits. Do you do you know about rabbits in Australia and bringing them to Australia and all that kind of stuff? Do you know the trivia? Oh, uh, no, I'm not sure. You have to tell me, and I'll tell me more. Tell me Australia, more. Australia, I believe, in the 70s had a rabbit epidemic, and it was so horrible that there is a law that is still on the books that only two kinds of people can bring a rabbit into Australia. And for 100 points, does anybody know that the trivia answer is what are the two categories of people who can bring a rabbit to Australia? Anybody know? Magician? That's right. Magician is one. Very good. Very good. Magician is the weird one. And the other one is a scientist. Is that for scientists is going to be my other guess. So yeah. literally, it's in a law that only magicians and scientists can bring rabbits to Australia. So there That's you go. That, I, there you go. That's for your for your home country. It's a great yes. place. <laughs> I didn't know. I knew about the too many yeah, rabbits yeah. situation. Yeah. Um, certainly remember we we travelled around Australia in the mid eighties. Um, my family and I did a three month trip caravanning around Australia, and um, they had introduced a disease by that time to try and take to, care of yeah, the rabbits. They were and trying the everything to get rid of rabbits. <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah, and we saw a couple of them that were affected, and it was it was just awful. So that will stay with me forever. Um, but but I did not know the um, the magician slash scientist rule, so that's good. I'll keep that in my back pocket for the next dinner party. <laughs> I mean, Australia does have a bad track record of waging war on animals and losing. So <laughs> and losing. <laughs> we, we want her to be our friends, guys. <laughs> All right, we're going to move right along. You've met Natalie. You've met Scott. I want to go ahead and introduce the newest voice of the pub trivia experience and boozy bracketology family, Jeremy Goodson, my friend. How are you doing? What are you drinking? And welcome. Oh, thank you. I am happy to be here. This is actually my first boozy recording. Um, I know. Done PT a few times, done front of me. Uh, have not actually been gotten a chance to be on here and... Fortunately or unfortunately, I'm sad that somebody couldn't make it, but I'm happy that somebody couldn't make it because that opened up a door for me to get in here earlier than I expected. Um, I, I think uh, there's one or two other brackets in the 80s that I had signed up for. So um, I'm excited to do this one, though. This is a really good bracket. Um, but yeah, I'm in Chicago. I'm trivia host and Twitch streamer and IT tech by day. Um, and what am I drinking? I am drinking uh, tonight. It's from Revolution Brewing, which is a local Chicago brewery. It's called, uh, I'll hold up the camera for everybody there. It's called Freedom of Speech, but <laughs> speech is spelled S-P-E-A-C-H. And cool. it is it is a uh, lush peach, or no, that's not what it's called. It's the Session Sour Ale with peaches. So it's a peach sour ale. They just get fancy, but let's do the best I can with a crack here. And uh, give it a try. Millions of peaches. Peaches Someone always has to do it. <laughs> yep. Oh, that is really good, though. Um, I've not had a bad beer. They're actually more known for their different styles of IPAs. Uh, a lot of people have heard of Anti-Hero or Galaxy Hero. Those are two of their bigger ones. But uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is a limited run they're doing. And ooh, that is good. They need to do more sours or just ales in general. Because like I said, <laughs> they usually do IPAs. They need to do like red ales and... You said like anti-hero, and now I've got Taylor Swift in my head. So thanks for that, Jeremy. <laughs> it's me. I'm the problem. <laughs> <laughs> that's the last time we'll hear Jeremy for a while. <laughs> All right. Let's head on up to Huntsville, Alabama. Nikki, my friend, how are you doing? What are you drinking? Huh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, 
Thursday night. So. <laughs> um, I am drinking a screwball whiskey. Just felt like a little dessert drink for the evening. So yeah, I'm excited to talk 80s prestige. Very dramatic. So <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Well, we're going to go right. No, one actually, actually, I'm going to go first because Mike has been waiting for a good 20 minutes to pop his beer. So my turn. He's such a dick. <laughs> A little story behind this. I went to a a meetup here. For those who don't know the Trivial Warfare podcast, I'm a big fan. I've been listening to them for years. Um, Jonathan Oaks, who hosts that, hosts a meetup every year. And this is the first time Leah and I got to go. And we piloted a a beer exchange. And I brought a six-pack of beer that nobody wanted. So I brought it home with me. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Maybe this is not for everyone, but I thought it sounded really good. It's from the uh, Island Breeze Distillery. Brewery, not distillery. This is a coconut lime lager. Which to me just sounds like the perfect Florida beer. Mm-hmm. I'd try it, but it almost sounds like Chris is trying to assert his dominance there and pulled out a crappy beer. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's delicious. Oh my, that's delightful. Yeah, mm. yeah, those weird uh, micro brews though—they're usually really good. They don't. Yeah, they're not going to make a bad one, right? So, I, I'm, I'm a fan. All right, I'm sunk. This actually, it's from, it's from, it's from the Bone Hook Brewery. I apologize. Where is this from? I have no light in this room. Doesn't even say where it's from. It just says local. I don't know what local oh, no, Chris means. Chris takes <laughs> off of his glasses. He takes off his glasses to look. You're excited and no bifocals. I'm not that old yet. He takes right. off his glasses and goes, I can't see it. Well, the really? Light, the light's here. The light's here. You Never mind. I'm done with you guys. Another episode of Boozy Bracketology. See, your, see yourselves out. We're going to get started here. Scott, you're going to be starting. Wait, wait, no, no, Mike. I know, I know. We're making Mike wait as long as possible. Oh, for God, (laughs) I'm part of this, Mike. I don't know how he's roped me into being part of it. Let's throw it back over to Huntsville, Alabama, Mike, my friend. How you doing? What are you drinking? You planned this whole thing, didn't you? It's been, it's been in the works. (laughs) Understandable. Uh, No, yeah, I popped that right away. Uh, I. Trying to remember, I've had this beer before. I just don't remember if I've had it on the podcast before. It's from Southern Prohibition Brewing, which is out of um, Mississippi. What the hell's the name of that town? That Hattiesburg. Yeah, that's right. Um, it is called the Psycho Pump. It is a double dry hopped, double IPA. Uh, it's a, and it's very good. Uh, so I'm finally, since you dragged it out, I'm going to enjoy it. That that will play very nicely. I'm I'm very excited to get into this uh, this bracket in the outside of the playing games in the main bracket. This is uh, the first opportunity that I've had to actually make some choices. So let's get to it. We're gonna jump right in, Scott. We're starting with you. The overall one seed in the '80s drama and prestige section is a Kenneth Branagh classic, Henry V, going up against the 16th seed play-in game winner, Steel Magnolias. Wow. I mean, this is, first of all, two entirely different movies. Let's start there. Um, And both, to me, worthy of being in all of this. Um, um, Again, uh, bore the people by saying this. I, I, you know, I, all the movies in the bracket that we're going to talk about, I saw in the movie theater when they first came out. So it's kind of cool to redo these brackets because I kind of relive my first experience with them and then the movies that have stayed with me over the years, there are certain movies that I saw once and never saw again, you know, and then there are movies like steel Magnolias that I can't even count the times I've seen it. And I've also directed the play. And so it's, it's kind of a meaningful thing to me. Um, But I'm also a Shakespeare person. 
uh, big time. And, um, and so, you know, um, off podcast, Chris mentioned something that I will reiterate that he said that, you know, Henry V, um, of the Shakespeare movies that were made in the eighties and nineties, it, it probably stands among the best, um, because not just of Brenna and his work in it, but you, you go down the supporting cast, man, it's phenomenal. It's just, there, there isn't a weak link in this thing hmm. down to like people who have one line. <laughs> like what movie is that? Like has that, in it? you know? Um, and, um, his St. Crispin's day speech still is used many for many different things as being, uh, this rallying cry of, of, of what it is to, um, you know, be victorious and fight against the odds and all that. Um, that being said, though, I, I, I always have trouble voting for a, the movie that has war in it. I'm a, I'm just a pacifist by heart, and it's and as much as I love it, I, I it's still about war, um, and so that I have a little problem with it. Not that I'm, that's gonna I'm still I'm kind of undecided actually because this is quite these are quite move, two movies that mean a lot to me. Um, well, gosh, golly, uh, I, I, I can't vote against either one of them. So I'm going to just, uh, I don't know, I'll flip a coin or something. Uh, <laughs> I got a coin? What do I got? Uh, well, um, let me, well, first of all, is, I'm sure other people will talk about Steel Magnolias, but it, it is, um, it, it is certainly, uh, that's another ensemble cast that's really extraordinary. Um, you know, in the play, it's only the six women. There, there are no other characters. There are no other men. The husbands are not in the movie. It's just the six of them. And it is all at the beauty salon. Um, and so they opened it up brilliantly in the movie. And in a real town, it's really shot there, wherever that is. That uh, Where um, uh, Mei Lin and, and, and Shelby live, that house has been turned into a bed and breakfast that you can actually stay in the Steel Magnolia house. So it's kind of a really cool thing. Um, so people really who love the movie go there. And uh, it was based on a play by Robert Harling. And again, it's it was, for those who didn't hear the Patreon thing, it was based on his real life sister uh, that everything that happens to Shelby in the movie happened to his, his sister and um and going through all that living through all that also in case we lose it it has and I, I'm a gay man man I, I remember my boyfriend at the time I was at Emerson College when this came out and we were theater people we we read this is before the movie we we read every line we were like uh, I love you more than my luggage these these lines that are in the movie are simply stunning. Um, um, if if you have uh, nothing if you have nothing good to say about anybody, come sit by me. That you know all these wonderful <laughs> witticisms. Uh, we just started saying them, and and it and it and it fueled gay men's speechology for the next <laughs> decade of these little sayings that Olympia Dukakis and Shirley MacLaine would say to each other in the movie. Um, and so they're really it's really it's just such a beautifully written script. Um, you know, you, you have a movie that's, you know, at its heart, there's not a lot going on there, but when Sam Shepard, uh, has Dolly Parton to open her eyes that she's a franchise, that she's a chain, you know, <laughs> your, your heart leaps, you know, the, the movie always has these little surprises throughout the whole thing. And Henry V is wonderful, but it's still Shakespeare's Henry V. It's what he wrote. <laughs> it's, it's, that's what it is, beginning, middle, end, where to me, Steel Magnolias has these wonderful little surprises all the way through from the the very end where the little boy slaps Shirley MacLaine across the face because because uh, Olympia Dukakis has scared the life out of him about about someone named Weezer. 
Um, so, um, and I just love it. You know what? So I'm probably going to go against my own convention and pick Steel Magnolias just because for me, it means more to me than Henry V. Steel Magnolias has its first vote. Next pick here goes to Natalie. Um, yeah, I would second a lot of what you just said, Scott, about Steel Magnolias. I think it's it's just a wonderful movie. It's got it's got a bit of everything. It's got so much comedy. It's got so many heartfelt moments. It's got the drama. It's got the sadness. It's um, it really takes you on a journey. I think that whole way through, and and the cast are just wonderful. You. I was sort of thinking about, oh, yeah, because Sally Field's really good. And then it's like, oh, but Olympia Dukakis is so good. And I think Julie Roberts does a good job in it. And it's just, it goes, the list goes on and on and on. Um, so definitely love that movie. Uh, Henry V, I think the, again, really well done. But what I was coming up against was the fact that, well, it, it is Shakespeare. And perhaps if the bracket was something other than, and we're looking for the best 80s movie, the the response might be different. But I think it just sort of feels like every couple of years a new version of one of the Shakespeare things comes out so they don't necessarily sit in the decade in which they're released but more in the the whole gamut of Shakespeare movies. Oh, maybe an idea for a future bracket, all the Shakespeare movies perhaps. Yes. Um, <laughs> all right, we're in. <laughs> so, yeah, so in terms of thinking about an 80s movie, I think Steel Magnolias really um, – yeah, hits the mark for me and is getting my vote. Steel Magnolias has the vote. Next pick here goes to Jeremy. Yeah, everybody's kind of taken my thunder on this one because I don't have a lot to say about either of these movies. They are both fantastic casts. Um, as was mentioned, you have Kenneth Branagh, who's writing uh, the screenplay and directing and starring in Henry V. He's a genius when it comes to his movie making. Uh I could just go down the list of movies he's he's been involved in or written or directed, and I don't think there's a bad one on the list that I can oh, think of. Oh, there's one you can skip. Which one? Thor. Oh. You're, we're not talking anymore. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I enjoyed Thor. Was it, was it his masterpiece? Absolutely not. Was it a fun movie? Absolutely. Um, but, I mean, you've got, what, Ian Holm yeah. is in that movie. Mm-hmm. Emma Thompson. Oh, yeah. Um, Christian Bale, Judy Dench. Mm-hmm. I'm forgetting another big one. Um, but either way, fantastic cast um, of the Shakespeare movies, as it was said, probably the best one. Um, Derek Jacoby probably is. What you're but, you know, I, I mean, I, I, we really have to talk about the, uh, you know, 90, was it seven or whatever, Romeo plus Juliet. No, just kidding. That's just, that, let's not talk about that. Um <laughs> <laughs> but again, fantastic film. Uh, I am a big fan, especially on stage of Shakespeare. Um, really watching a good stage production of Shakespeare is just fantastic. But on the other hand, we have Steel Magnolias. Uh, was it Sally Field, Shirley MacLaine, Daryl Hannah, um, Dolly Parton, um, Julia Roberts, uh, Dylan McDermott, not Dermot Mulroney. Uh, trying to remember everybody else is in that one too just fantastic tom cast tom skerritt yeah you're right um yeah him too it's been a while since i've seen the movie but i need to i need to give it a rewatch probably in the next week or so because it's a fantastic movie and with that said that's what it's going to come down to for the choice for me they're, they're two great movies uh and it, it is a hard choice if i just have to go 
which one's better? Um, and that to me is if you gave me a choice of both those movies, which one am I going to sit down and watch out of choice? And for me, that would be Steel Magnolias any day. I'd have to, I have to be in the mood for Shakespeare. And uh, it's just, uh, I know it's a lot of it's the language thing. Like I understand it, especially when you're watching it acted out, but you have to be in the mood for old English. Um, and you, you have to know what you just be ready, what you're getting into. Um, where again, not to shoot down how good that movie was still Magnolia's any day. Still Magnolia's picks up a third vote. Nikki over to you. Well, I'm glad everybody made good decisions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she was bracing herself. I'm sure. No, I mean, I mean, I, we'll talk choices. more about steel Magnolia's later. It's, I mean, I think it's moving on, but, um, not to give, uh, Henry V, like it's, I mean, it, de- it deserves your diligence. It was a great film. Um, but I, I kind of agree. I struggle a little bit with Shakespeare films and the movie versions. I, I kind of prefer watching them on stage. I don't know if movie versions do a whole lot more for me, but I mean, this, the cast and Henry V, I mean, like creme de la creme of all the Brits, man. Like, oh, yeah. I, mean, I think anybody who was a British somebody was in that movie. And um, so I, I think it's a great film. So I think it deserved to be here. But um, yeah, I'm 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 kind of glad that this was not I mean, it, it, Henry V was not a duke, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. You know, they can get bumped out in the first round. So, <laughs> All right. Still Magnolia's four votes. We're going to move on to the next pick here. The next vote is going to be Mike Mott. How are you doing, sir? And what are you drinking? It's over to you. <laughs> <sighs> so here we are. We few. <laughs> we happy few. We band of brothers and sisters. For he or she today that cast their vote with me shall be my brother or sister. I'm not going to do the whole thing, but God, uh, Henry V is 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 masterful, and and honestly, like I feel like it. It was. I don't know if there were other big Shakespeare movies in the '80s, I. But this was the one that kind of kicked off. Hey, Shakespeare can be like this great cinematic thing that people will come see, and that just had a ripple effect through the '90s, and it had an effect. On me, I was probably it was probably about the time Henry VIII came out that I was sitting in an auditorium as a as a wee lad watching a bunch of sixth graders put on what I'm sure in hindsight as an adult would be an absolutely terrible rendition of Macbeth, but to to young me I was just fascinated by it and so I, I was was a Shakespeare nerd from then on. I do love Steel Magnolias and I I cannot at all be mad that it's moving on. I'm certainly glad it doesn't come down to me. Uh, but I'm going to give my vote to Henry V so it doesn't get swept. Well, the one seat is gone. Steel Magnolia's 16-seat play-in game is moving on to the Elite Eight. We are moving on to our next pick. Natalie, you get to choose here. The eight seed is Parenthood. The nine seed is Diner. Make your pick. Okay, so I hadn't actually hadn't seen Diner, hadn't heard of Diner, didn't know anything about it and watched it earlier in the week and I enjoyed so many familiar faces popping up, enjoyed the watch, um, probably struggled a little bit. I know it was set in a different time. It was set in the 50s but struggled a little bit with the the um, depiction of relationships. I thought it was all very kind of immature in terms of the way the relationships were, were playing out and, and bad behaviour by the men that they didn't really get called on all that much so that kind of while I enjoyed it couldn't really get on board with it I guess uh parenthood I saw 
in theatres and then watched it again this week, got my 14-year-old on board to see if it held up and it certainly held up for me and she enjoyed it as well. So, um, yeah, I just think it's a really nice mix of, of those heartfelt moments, the, the dramas in there, there's a bit of comedy in there and, again, once again, we're looking at such a spectacular ta- uh, cast. Sorry. And so it was a, a fairly easy choice for me to give my vote to Parenthood. Parenthood's got the first vote. Jeremy, over to you. Yeah, I think this is going to be an easy choice for me in the long run, but um, I mean, you've got the, you've got two kind of like comedies up against each other. I would say Diner's more of more on the drama comedy side, but still two comedies. You've got an adult themed comedy and you've got the family friendly comedy uh, for the most part. And I haven't seen Diner in a really long time. I remember enjoying it. I remember thinking it was funny. It's, you know, it's basically about a group of friends and uh, getting back together was, I think one of them's getting married, if I recall correctly. And it was, uh, again, funny movie. It had like the 80s comedy stars. You had Steve Gutenberg. I remember in there. Um, who else was in that movie? Kevin Bacon? Yeah, Kevin Bacon, Mickey Rourke. Paul Reiser. Paul Reiser. That, that's who I was trying to think of was Paul Reiser. I'm like, who's the other guy? It's driving me nuts. I'm going to come up with it. Um, again, good movie. But then you have Parenthood, which I remember seeing as a kid and have watched it a bunch of times since as I was growing up. And Steve Martin, <laughs> Rick Moranis, <laughs> like I have a hard time. I mean, I believe that if I remember correctly, it's a Ron Howard movie, too. So it's just it's got a lot going for it. And it was funny. And it's as far as I remember, again, I haven't watched it in quite a few years, but I remember watching it a lot growing up. So either there weren't a lot of adult jokes or they all went over my head. Um at the time, but it, it's a funny movie. It's great. Again, fantastic cast. And Keanu Reeves is in it too, isn't he? Or am I I'm making sure I'm thinking of the right movie? Yes, but, Keanu um, Reeves is yeah. in Parenthood. Yes, yeah. Sure okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I just want to make sure I wasn't it's mixing up two movies in my head as I'm trying to go through the scenes here. And I'm like, you know what? This is going to be an easy one for me. Parenthood's going to get my vote. I'm, I'm going to stop rambling and trying to remember certain things <laughs> do some more research between the rounds because this is one of the few on the list i haven't seen in quite a few years but i remember really enjoying it no parenthood is up two nil next pick here goes to nikki yeah um i mean diner had i mean just the cast and that one was so good too with like it was like classic 80s guys yeah the kevin bacon and you know, I, I kind of agree with Natalie. I mean, like this, I, I felt like kind of the relationships might have not been fully developed. It just there was a little bit like I didn't I didn't care deeply about any of the characters necessarily. Like, I, I mean, I liked the camaraderie and the friendship and there were some funny moments, but it, it wasn't really very deep. I mean, and I don't know if Parenthood like the movie, I mean, was either, but I just think it was a little funnier. And I don't know, you put Steve Martin in anything, I just think I'm going to vote for it. Um, but then they, you know, they did do like the whole show Parenthood based off the movie and they actually were able to get, like I watched some of it and they actually were able to get six seasons based on these characters from the movie. So there had to have been some more depth in there. Um, I, I, I got to go Parenthood too. I just think it is the better film out of the two. So I'm going with Parenthood. All right, Parenthood's up 3-0. Mike? 
Uh, yeah, Jeremy and Nikki actually touched on something uh, that I think is a little interesting, that even in the drama prestige bracket, we have two movies that could theoretically be classified as comedies or, you know, at, at the least comedy dramas. And I think I think that's because when you think of the 80s, drama and prestige really isn't what you what you think of. Like this, that's what makes this sort of an interesting bracket. The 80s was the era of the comedies, the action movies, the horror movies. So, so this is a really interesting matchup, but I do think these are both... Uh, both qualify as prestige movies because they are very well acted. They are very well scripted. They have interesting explorations of a lot of different dynamics and relationships and stuff like that. Uh, and I'll be honest, it's been about 20 years since I've seen either one of these movies, but there, there's only one of the two that I still think about periodically. And that's, and that's parenthood. And it's, it's not just in the, how the fuck did Rick Moranis land Harley Jane Kosak <laughs> way, but it's, it's, it's honestly, uh, Nikki said it too. It's that, that the Steve Martin character. And I, I really would love to actually watch this movie again now that I am a parent, because I just remember like the lengths that he was go that he would go to for his kids and stuff like that. Even then I remember thinking that was the, that was the kind of, you know, that really connected with the kind of. Uh, dad that I wanted to be and stuff like that. And it talked, it, you know, it has, it has a lot of the other struggles uh, that can also come with parenthood. Um, and, and lest we forget, in, in addition to Keanu Reeves, there was also a then, then known as leaf Phoenix in, uh, in that movie. Yeah, um, right. Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix was also in there. So it, it's a fantastic cast. I, I think we got this one right. Uh, parent, parenthood over diner. All right. Last pick goes to Scott. Uh, yeah, and uh, just I know Diner's lost, but it, it's interesting to note um, we're talking about the cast. But Diner is the first movie directed by Barry Levinson, who would go on to direct ah. The Natural, Tin Men, go- Good Morning Vietnam, Rain Man. Um, it's part of a series. Diner, Avalon, and uh, Sleepers were sort of all set in Baltimore, and all had the similar theme, and were based mm-hmm. on things that happened to him in his own life. So uh, it's kind of an interesting thing, and and certainly it's a wonderful cast, and it's really phenomenal but i'm recalling this is parenthood is one of those movies that i i i I try to live this thrill that happened to me in the movie theater when watching it um i don't because the line was so unexpected and so well delivered by steve martin that the entire we we laughed so hard that we missed like the next five minutes of the movie at the end of the movie uh um Oh my God! I her name's right out of my head. Who plays his wife? I can't think. Uh, uh, Mary, uh, Mary, a steam Mary Steenburgen. Mary Steenburgen. Yeah. So uh, she's talking about how you know wonderful the grandmother's philosophy is about everything, and Steve Martin just turns to goes, "Yeah, if Grandma's so brilliant, how come she's sitting in our neighbor's car?" <laughs> they're all going out to the sea of play and she's gotten into the neighbor's car. So that is just a brilliant line. I'm waiting to laugh as hard as I laughed that day of that, but, um, but it just has a lot of heart and it's brilliant. So parenthood is a winner. Parenthood sweeps its way into the elite eight. We're not taking any breaks here. We're moving right on to a 12, five potential upset upset. The five seed dangerous liaisons, the 12 seed of Gandhi. Let's kick this one off with Jeremy. <sighs> so <laughs> I, this, this is actually not a hard thing for me. And it's going to be weird the way I want to start this. But generally, I'm not a giant fan of the period pieces. Um, But Dangerously as Liaisons was a good movie. I, I will give it that. But then you've got it up against Gandhi. Um, 
as much as I'm not a fan of period pieces, even though this is kind of a period piece, just not as far back, um, it is also a biopic. And Ben Kingsley just... You, you, the, 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 he just nailed this role. Um, it's a movie that you'd be hard pressed to walk out of and not have felt something. Um, and I, I didn't get to see it until high school. Um, and it was one of those movies where you just did not want to admit you were trying your hardest not to cry at certain parts of this movie. Um, it is a movie that has stuck with me through the years. Um, so maybe if Dangerous Liaisons was up against something else, I would give it even maybe more of a fair shot, but it doesn't have one for me in this. It, it, this is absolutely Gandhi for me. Gandhi's got the vote. Next pick here goes. Hmm. Let's go to Nikki. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree. It Dangerous Liaisons for a period piece, I mean, it's it's really good. I love the story. I mean, it's fun. I mean, it has the drama, but it also has that. I love the relationship between Velmont and um, what is it, the Marquess something? I I don't know, but it's like they've done so many different versions of this movie too. Um, I actually, you know, watched the Colin Firth version, which was called Belmont, and I <laughs> like that one, the British version. If you haven't seen it, um, so there's a lot of great versions of this uh, story. Um, Gandhi, I, I can't lie. I'm still a little bitter that E.T. didn't win the Oscar. Not going to lie. I don't know. I'm just, it's, it's, it's just still, I'm still a little bitter, but, uh, cause yeah, if I'm going to sit and watch one, to be honest, I'm probably going to watch E.T. Uh, Those things that happened four years before you were born do tend to, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't think you can get better acting and stuff than, than Gandhi too. Uh, yeah, I you know this is tough for me because I I feel like I should vote for Gandhi because it's the better film. But to be honest, it, it kind of bored me. Yeah, I was a little bored. <laughs> uh, I'm you know I'm gonna go with Dangerous Liaisons. I think it's just I like the story better. Gandhi's. I mean, as much as a beautiful movie it is, it's just it's not necessarily my cup of tea. So, all right, Mike, break that tie. Oh man. This is a difficult choice because these are these are two radically different films. Uh, Dangerous Liaisons I had not seen until very recently uh, in preparation for this bracket. And I just, it is an absolute blast watching Glenn Close and John Malkovich just, just do what they do what they did in that movie that those, those performances are so like, they're so good that you're like, God, you're horrible people. And yet in a weird way, like I understand they, they play those, those roles so well that you're like, you understand the seductive quality they have on the other people in, in that, you know, in the play and uh, that gets swallowed up in their, in their decadence. You're, we mentioned Keanu Reeves appears in that one too, you know, and, and Michelle Pfeiffer and everything like that. I, my, I like, I, I like Gandhi. I don't, I do like Gandhi a lot. I wa similarly to Jeremy. I watched it in high school. Uh, was the first time I saw it, and I remember. Um, I remember really, really like connect connecting with it. But I I understand where Nikki's going. It, it is definitely long, but 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 to Jeremy's point, Ben Kingsley is just masterful in it. My thing with Dangerous Liaisons is I feel like it comes apart a little bit at the end. I don't really. It's, 
I don't really completely buy into the the change in uh, John Malkovich's character. They, they and it, it has not it has nothing to do with with him. It, it's just I feel like this this the the story kind of gets it gets there without making me really really believe it. And and the the battle that he has at the end with Keanu Reeves and. Uh, it just it doesn't quite connect with me. They they're they're trying to get me somewhere, and I just don't I don't quite get there. Whereas I mean the 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 ending of Gandhi is a freaking gut punch. So it, it, this is this is a tough one because these are two different movies. I I'd watch either one again because uh, I think they're just both so incredibly acted. I kind there's parts of there's part of me that kind of wishes Gandhi was a little dug a little deeper into some of the additional complexities of Gandhi that you, that you kind of learn about, but, but overall it is, it really is just a, such a masterfully done biopic. Uh, I, I'm going to give it my vote by the narrowest of margins. Trevor Slattery picking up his second vote. Next pick here goes <laughs> to Scott. Sure. Um, well, uh, the theater guy speaks again. Um, the uh, Dangerous Liaisons actually comes from a play. I'm going to slaughter the French, Li- Liaison Dangereux, and uh, written by Christopher Hampton, who then wrote the screenplay. And as um, uh, I think one critic said that uh, what he did is he took the best parts of his play and put it on screen. So that's kind of exciting. And um, and then, of course, you have, you know, it's also directed by Stephen Frears. Uh, let's talk about him for a second. Um, Stephen Frears is one of my favorite directors. He's really brilliant. A movie about Joe Orton called Prick Up Your Ears with Vanessa Redgrave and, and Gary Oldman. And he kind of discovered Gary Oldman. And, you know, he's he's really a great director, British director. Um, and so that's why the, the play seems so, the, the movie seems so crisp, even though it's a period piece, as Jeremy was saying. It doesn't really feel like one. It feels like they're speaking modern dialogue because that's what Christopher Hampton was very capable of doing, is really creating that, uh, that crispness of language uh, and humor. So that's really kind of thing. And then of course, Glenn Close, who, um, you know, I could read the phone book to me and I would be very entertained. So, uh, and Uma Thurman and Swoozie Kurtz, all these wonderful people. Mm. Keanu Reeves, Mildred Natwick is in the movie. I mean, she's brilliant. Um, that all being said, what was the other movie? Oh, Gandhi. So, <laughs> <laughs> is there another movie? Um, I, I mean, I, I, I agree with everything that was said. I, I, I actually, uh, I've seen Gandhi m- multiple times. I, I don't know how, <laughs> because if you see it like five times, isn't that your life? Have you, <laughs> You've gone through a year of your life by doing it. Um, so, uh, but it is brilliant. And, I, you know, Ben Kingsley, what, that is, it is really such a stunning performance. It, it really is. Um, and I believe it's when Chariots of Fire won. <laughs> I think that's what happened uh, over Gandhi. I'm pretty sure that. Or did Gandhi? I forget. No, Ga- Ga- Gandhi, Gandhi won the oh, following Gandhi year. Gandhi won, and oh, this is the next year for Chariots of Fire. So, um, anyway, uh, but it is it is brilliant. It's a brilliant biopic. But boy, that, I. As a theater guy, you know what? I'm going to stick with my theater compatriots, and I'm going to pick uh, Dangerous Liaisons. Ooh. Dangerous Liaisons has tied it up 2-2. Before this goes over to Natalie, we've got a 2-2 tie. Does anybody want to lodge their one buzzer beater of this portion of the bracket to try and sway her one way or another? This is a, <laughs> this is, this is a tough one. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. Uh, Natalie, they're leaving it in your more than capable hands. Lock in your vote. Okay. Okay. I was I was just sitting back enjoying what everyone was saying, quite relaxed. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh gosh, hang on. My vote just oh, got a whole lot more Scott. important. <laughs> Scott. <laughs> so I I really I I I'm actually gonna take the really off. I enjoyed dangerous liaisons. The 
I, I enjoyed it visually. It's amazing. John Malkovich is just so fascinating to watch. But I found that it wasn't, I wasn't gripped. I wasn't particularly invested. I was watching how it played out. I was enjoying how it played out, but I wasn't emotionally engaged really. And and I do really like to be emotionally engaged with particularly the, these drama kind of movies. And and then I watched Gandhi, something I had not seen before. It's such a fascinating story, uh, but I think any good story can be ruined by the way it's told. Uh, but I don't think this movie did that by any stretch. I think that it, it told the story in in a really engaging, really interesting way. And and I agree. I assume now, if if it was made now, there would be an actor who was of Indian origin as as opposed to Ben Kingsley, but for the time that it was made, I agree that he just did a phenomenal job and, and you did forget by the end that you weren't actually watching the the real story play out. So I think in terms of the quality of the film, my vote goes to Gandhi. Sorry, Nikki. It's okay. <laughs> I, lo- I mean, I- yes. All right, we are moving right along. We've got your 4-13 matchup, your 4-seed Ran, your 13-seed Rain Man. This pick here, we're starting with Nikki. I don't know. I mean, I I don't I don't remember Ran that much. I mean, it's like a was it was like a space thing or I mean, what was no, it? It's like a space. <laughs> what was it? It was Ran. I don't remember it now. Like I'm sorry, guys. I I got into this. I this was my first. I didn't, one, it, I didn't you, get you to look at. Seen it. it. That's why you have, don't remember it. Okay. Well, what was it about? It's about uh, it's the it's retelling of King Lear yeah. and Samurai. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, 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 okay. I, I, I told you about it, and you were like, "Yeah, that doesn't interest me at all." So yeah. I watched it by myself. Okay. I'm sorry. Hey, guys. I, I did get thrown. Hey, in my defense, I got thrown. I didn't know I was going to one hundred percent like ten minutes ago. Before. Oh yeah. So I mean, it's okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think there should be a movie called Ran in Space. I think that sounds. <laughs> I would watch that. It would be a big '80s epic. Um, I mean, but I love Rain Man, so I don't really think yeah. there would be a competition anyway because Dustin Hoffman, Tom Cruise, I mean, I I love the movie Rain Man, so I, I would have voted for it anyway. So, <laughs> yes, Rain Man. <laughs> I don't know, Samurai, that doesn't sound interesting. <laughs> Rain Man picks up the first vote. Next vote here goes to Mike. No, I, I, I know my I know my wife, and I, I, I didn't probably adequately prepare her, but I... I I know that even if she had seen Ran, that would not have changed her vote because I know the I know the types of movies that she likes. So, uh, but yeah, I watched it. I watched it about a week ago, and you know, as as I as I said, she was like, "Yeah, I don't have any interest." And again, at the time, she didn't know she was going to be doing the bracket. But but it Ran was one that had always been on my list because coming in, I I'd seen several Kurosawa movies. I'd seen Rashomon. I'd seen Yojimbo. I'd seen Seven Samurai. And and Ran had always been on my list. I I kind of knew. For, for whatever reason in my head, I didn't know. I knew it was a Shakespeare, you know, play kind of reimagined. I didn't know it was King Lear uh, g- coming in. And as I was watching it, the, you know, the, about the first hour, I was like, this is this is very good. It's well done. It's beautiful cinematography. But I'm like, yeah, this is, you know, it's 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 King Lear. I, I understand this is this is a well done movie, but it, it didn't it didn't grab me until that first battle scene at the the massacre at the the third i think it was the third castle or something like that and then all of a sudden i was like holy shit this is like this is this is like saving private ryan levels of brutal almost like this is just a, a insanely 
graphic and and incredibly brutal and an incredibly well done battle scene and then and it ends with that um the very end with the the first brother kind of kind of rides onto onto the uh, battlefield to survey and just all of a sudden just gets off and it was it that kind of drew me back into into the movie that i uh i had kind of was starting to fade a little bit on and then i was hooked through the rest of it i it's it's an incredibly well done film uh and I'm struggling because as well done as as Ran is, I really love Rain Man too. And it's and I, I'm struggling too because it's probably the more iconic film. Obviously, you have Dustin Hoffman's performance, which is the showier performance, and just just about everybody has has kind of done the quote unquote Rain Man Im- impression at some point. Uh, he he it he does a great job uh, capturing that. I think Tom Cruise's performance in that is underrated because he has to play the the unlikable person that that still becomes redeemable at the end because of the uh, connection that he ultimately forms with his brother. I, I remember when I first saw the movie, I was I was I was probably fifteen years old, and I I cried at the end. It just there was something about that movie. I said, "This is man. This is incredibly difficult." Um, did Rain Rain Man win Best Picture? Can someone refresh my memory? I'm trying to remember. I know it won Best Actor. Think yeah, so. it did. I, I thought it. I thought it won Best Picture too. I was just trying. Man, that's that's interesting. Golly, I really don't know. I would rewatch both of these movies, and I think I would get a lot out of both of these movies. I think Rain Man is the more iconic movie. I think overall Ran is probably the better movie just by the narrowest of margins. Again, and I think I said narrowest of margins in my last vote too. These are tough. Um, I'm I'm going to give my vote to Ran, but it's really close. Ran gets its first vote. Next pick here goes to Scott. Well, you know, it's interesting in this bracket, if you look at just as a word game, um, they're the same word <laughs> if you take <laughs> right? the third, fourth and fifth letters. It's kind of silly. Um, yeah, uh, yeah I, I agree with what Mike said about Ron. Uh, Ran is the only movie of, the, of all the brackets that I didn't actually see in the movie theater. I actually saw it later on DVD as an adult, you know, so I didn't see it when I was living through the eighties. Um, and, but uh, Rain Man was a big thing, you know, at the time, um, two quick things about Rain Man. Um, um, the, the fart scene in the uh, phone booth, uh, Tom Cruise did not know he was going to do that. <laughs> so the, action, the reaction was real. Uh, did you do that? That that's, that's a real reaction, and and and, and that it's caught on film. There, they, he uh, Barry Levinson also directed this, and so uh, uh, and for two points, I asked the panel. Barry Levinson is in the movie. Does anybody know who he plays and where he is in the movie? In Rain Man, he's in the final scene. He's the psychiatrist that, that interviews them both in the round table at the end when they're ah. sitting opposite each other. That man, that's Barry Levinson, the director of the film, um, uh, who's trying to determine where Ray goes. Um, so, um, uh, you know, 
I, I, it's funny. I just saw Rain Man last weekend. Um, I, I wasn't expecting to watch it, and I caught it right from the very beginning. And I thought, oh, okay, I've seen it a million times. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna get bored. I'm not gonna watch. I watched. I, I never got bored. <laughs> I just watched the whole thing from beginning to end as if I had never seen it before. Uh, you know, and, and so that's kind of a movie that really lasts for me. Um, and you know, Ran is wonderful, and it's a phenomenal movie. It's it's probably uh, the director's best, but. Um, you know, we're in our eighties movies and, you know, Chris kind of forewarned us there, you know, that's part of all this. And, uh, if you're going to talk about an iconic eighties movie, I'm going to have to go with rain man. Rain man picks the vote. Next pick goes to Natalie. Okay. Mike, you and I had such different experiences watching Ran. <laughs> it's very interesting. <laughs> Describe that. Cause my, my little notes say, I'm quite enjoying this opening section. The, the, character of sort of the main the the father the patriarch he kind of bugged me but I was following along I was enjoying sort of watching the the King Lear connection and all of that and then it got to the war scenes and oh my gosh they went on and on and on in my opinion (laughs) and then at one point one guy had like 10 arrows in him and I was just thinking oh this is ridiculous (laughs) there's not enough arrows to go around that they're wasting 10 on one person Two three tops, so so it did lose it a little bit for me there, and and another sign that I perhaps wasn't particularly engaged. I did have my phone with me, and I did purchase a dress and a pair of boots during my viewing of Ran. So, so that that's kind of telling me that it didn't. I can appreciate I can appreciate the the cinematography of it and the the depth of it. Like it was it was very long, and and some of the female characters were really interesting. Um, to watch that sort of play out. So, yes, I can certainly appreciate that it had its merits, but it's not Rain Man. Oh, my goodness. Rain Man is certainly one of the um, bright sparks in my mind of 80s movies. It's I think the acting is just amazing, and, and I agree Tom Cruise probably doesn't get the, the credit that I think he deserves for his role in that. Um, it's very hard to watch the early stages because he's just so nasty but yeah. he learns what he needs to learn and and it turns around and and just picking up on the questions about the oscars it it actually almost got the big five it got best actor best picture best director and best screenplay but there wasn't a best actress to be nominated for it so right. so it got as close as it could to to winning the big five so yeah every time i've seen it captivated from beginning to end and my rewatch this week was no different so rain man gets my vote oh Natalie taking it out of Jeremy's hands. Jeremy, did we get this right? Um, so uh, anybody who knows me knows that I am a gigantic Star Wars fan. That's exactly yep. right. And I, for those, I feel a couple people here know where I'm going with that. Um, if it wasn't for Kurosawa, we wouldn't have Star Wars. George Lucas has strictly said on multiple occasions he based Star Wars off of his love for Kurosawa films, particularly The Seventh Samurai. Uh, which is what he based Star Wars off of. With that said, I had mentioned earlier there were two and a half movies on this bracket I I have not seen. I say that because the very first time I watched Mm -hmm. Ran, uh, it's actually the only time I've watched Ran, um, is it subtitled. And every time I watch subtitles, I feel like I miss a bunch of the movie. So maybe it's better than I remember. But... I didn't enjoy it as much because that I do feel like I missed like half of the film trying to just keep up with the the text and everything that's a me thing i i I know people who love subtitled movies um just (laughs) it's a me thing i have trouble reading and uh yeah 
uh, I prefer my anime dubbed. Sorry, I know I'm gonna I'm gonna get crap for that too. But uh, <laughs> with that said, it's also up against Rain Man. Rain Man is a just fantastic film. Another one where if you walked out of there and tried to say you didn't feel anything, you're a liar. Um, fantastically acted. Uh, there's, uh, we're going to be talking about it more because it's absolutely moving on. Because I mean, it already had, but even if it was up to me, it's moving on. My Rain Man gets my vote. All right, Rain Man is moving on, but so are we. Over to the right side, right portion of the bracket, we've got our two seed, my left foot, against the 15 seed, the play-in game winner, the color purple. And we're going to start this pick off with, hmm, how about Mike? Yeah, this is interesting because I saw both of these movies for the first time in the, in the past week in preparation for this bracket. So they're both, unlike a lot of these other choices, these are both very fresh. And I, I really enjoy both of the, these movies. Um, and they're, they both have very, uh, as, as much as, as there's, some, there's some pain along the way, they both have very satisfying endings which is really nice um, as much as, as much as my wife loves to rip on me that I like downer or uh, ambiguous endings. I really do enjoy just a nice happy, like ending, a happy ending as well. Although I, I, yeah, I will, I will say that it, in my left foot, I was like, man, this is, they're putting a little bit too of a, uh, too nice of a bow on this until I found out, Oh, that's actually the story. That's actually what happened. <laughs> that's right. And, and, and that, that was, it was a brief thing. And that was the only time watching that movie that I, was remotely pulled out and then and then it brought me back by finding out oh no they act, that actually is how the 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 story ended it it felt like attacked on hollywood ending until you actually until it actually like got drawn in and but oh, oh my gosh that's such, that is such a wonderful movie uh it's 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 very powerful and it makes you both of these movies are interesting because they're both about people trapped in circumstances out of their control and what they do with that. Uh, so in, in that sense, it's a very, very fitting matchup. Uh, and, and both, both of the main characters experience their, their catharsis, uh, such as it is in my left foot, but in my left foot, it's all about that. It's, 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 he's, he's trapped in the, in this shell and, and he's, he's, doing everything in his power. He's, he's fighting through it. And, 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 and also the, um, the way that it taps into the, to the loneliness that he feels. And there was, there was so much about that movie that I thought was incredibly powerful as, as is true with the color purple. These, these are both really, really just powerful films. And I, I, I definitely felt drawn to both main characters and both stories but i think that i think that with my left foot there's there's just something extra powerful to me about that that whole notion of he was not going to be caught trapped in trapped in that shell forever and that, and that he managed to what the limitation that he had he managed to still overcome it and uh and do all of the all of the thing do the the artwork and write the write the book and everything else that he was able to do in that movie Gosh, this is a really this is a really tough choice. I think I think I give the slight edge to my left foot. I, I feel like there's all of these are very close calls, and 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 I'm I'm not upset if either one of these moves on. But uh, my left foot is going to get my vote just because there was just a little bit more, a little 
I don't even know what it was. There's, there's just something about it that, that really, really uh, struck me. So my left foot gets my vote. My left foot picks up its first vote. Scott going to you. Um, yeah, this is a very tough matchup for me because uh, I, I agree with Mike. Mike said, you know, quite frankly, these two movies could have wound up being the final two movies in this whole bracket, in this whole thing that we're doing, if you really looked at the 80s. Um, I love Daniel Day-Lewis. I, 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 I love Daniel Day-Lewis. If I could marry Daniel Day-Lewis, I would marry <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis. Uh, I've loved him since my beautiful laundrette, the first thing I ever saw him in. And then he was in, uh, we've talked about this in other podcasts, in the very same year he was in um, um, A Room with a View. Uh, and people, uh, Robert, Robert, uh, Robert Ebert didn't know it was the same actor. Because that's what Woody was. Because he plays this punk gay kid in one, and he's like this uptight British guy in another. So, um, and you know, he he just is brilliant, and um, he's he really is. You 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 know, without him, I mean, I don't know if you'd even make my left foot. You know, what I'm saying it's like that. This really, um, but also uh, Brenda Fricker, who also won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. No one really yeah. even knew who she was, and um, she's also the heart and soul of the of this film. That being said, though, um, and I'm 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 actually torn again. I may have to flip another coin. Um, uh, there's a moment, well, not a moment, but there's there are parts of my left foot that I uh, I have trouble getting through because he he himself, and I understand why. I mean, it's not like he's he's just a mean guy because um, the whole restaurant scene. I have a I have a hard time getting through that um, because yeah. yeah, you're you're. I, I get why he's acting the way he is, but I just find that to not be pleasant to watch, you know. So, um, and I guess there's parts in the color purple where things are horrible and everything. But so, um, as a as a whole, though, I think just as a movie experience, for some reason, I enjoy the color purple better as a movie experience as much as i love daniel day lewis and daniel day if you're listening to me i live in connecticut and i know you're married <laughs> to me, uh, uh you're married to arthur miller's daughter but you know i'm you know i'm you know and i'm married but whatever you can work out um so uh because you're amazing um so uh we could just be friends we could just go on weekend trips together whatever you want um i'm easy. So, uh, but that being said, and he's probably going to kind of dump me for this. I, I am going to pick the color purple. Well, if romance ended too soon, color purple gets the first vote. Or, sorry, <clears throat> excuse me. Color purple gets its first vote, not the first vote. Next pick here goes. Let's go, Natalie. Okay, so I agree. This is a really, this is a really hard one, and I think it was around as I was working my way through all the movies. On this bracket, it was at around these ones where I was like, is this the drama prestige bracket or is this the how much can we make our panellists cry bracket? It was, yeah. just, it was quite a traumatising fortnight <laughs> working through all these movies. But, um, yeah, I think my left foot was kind of it had that good news, bad news kind of feeling to it, like so much about it was was uplifting and, and amazing and so much about it was was tragic and traumatic. And I did I did a little bit of a, a dive down the internet to find out a little bit more about, I knew it was based on a true story to find out a little bit more about it and had that similar, oh, the ending is real life that you were talking about, Mike, but then found the next level that apparently she wasn't very nice to him. The oh. um, Apparently the way it turned out was that she 
was quite abusive and and the oh, I can't remember the exact details now but the bit that made me because you know you've got a question how accurate is what you're reading but the bit that made me think that it was probably accurate is that two of his siblings apparently had spoken out about it and had been trying to do something about it. So mm. who who knows the the truth of the story, but I thought that was really sad if if that is true. Um, also agreed that Brenda Fricker was so glad that she got the Oscar because I just thought she was amazing. She just, it felt like she was, that mum in that situation did not feel like she was acting at all. Uh but then Colour Purple was so good as well, um, equally distressing, but those similar kind of good moments, um, yeah, um, I'm quite stuck with this one. I think what it's going to come down to, to me, I have these little strategies when I'm stuck, okay, which way am I going to look at it? And for this one, what's popping out for me is if someone said to me, which movie should I watch, which one would I suggest? And I think I would tell them to watch Colour Purple, so... Again, by a very narrow margin, um, my vote's going to go that way. Now, the the color purple has picked up its second vote. We have the we're on the verge of having the second play in game make it to the elite eight. Let's see what happens here, Jeremy. Going to you. So this is a um, shortcoming on my part. One of the two movies I have not seen in this bracket, and I had not heard of until I got this bracket. Somehow, is my left foot. Oh, wow. Um, with that said, I've been reading up on it this whole time. Um, this, uh, you, you already know my thoughts on color purple. Um, so I'm going to say this, I, th- this movie, I, I grew up my, one of my best friends growing up had cerebral palsy. So I am going to remedy that in the next couple of days here. I need to see this movie and because I have not, and it wouldn't feel right to just uh, <laughs> vote for the color purple because it's the one I've seen. I'm sorry, Nikki. I'm going to tie I'm going to tie this up and give it off to somebody who has seen both movies cuz uh, reading this um this this would not be fair for me to just go it's color purple I've seen it it's a fantastic movie like I said I already said I love it. it the book is amazing the movie is fantastic but this movie I feel like it needs more discussion and I unfortunately cannot talk about it more than that uh because I have not seen it so I'm going to give it my vote and move this over to Nikki all right, it is a two to two tie. Does anybody want to lodge a buzzer beater to try and sway Nikki one way or another? All right, Nikki, the buzzer beaters were all your idea years and years and years ago. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but we're putting it in your more ca- more than capable hands. I'll remind you, in this case, there's really not a wrong answer. So the well, I mean, the, the problem is, is here's here's the thing. This is a Sophie's choice, which should have been on the bracket. Um, so I, you know, I don't know. Um, there are no Nazis and no children will be killed, so I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> well, you know, but yeah, I, I, I don't know why Sophie's choice wasn't on the bracket. But anyway, that, that's neither here nor there. Um, I agree with so much of what has been said. I mean, I, I feel like these are this is a great matchup because there's so much about each of these films that really, I mean, the main character, it's about their, their struggle and their perseverance and how they, you know, get through those hard times. Um, they're both tough movies to watch. Um, and you know, I know like, 
some of it can be uncomfortable and all of that. So as, as hard as they are to watch, there's still a lot of joy in the movies. Like they, they find ways to put joy in it, which is, which is good because I think the stories are so tough that you have to find some joy to put in them. And I think that both of these films do a great job. Um, I mean, Daniel Day Lewis, was this his first Oscar? Yeah. First of his first of his three. Of his many. Yeah. yeah, His three. Um, I mean, I just don't think you can not think he's brilliant in anything. Um, And he did carry the movie, I think. Um, I mean, there was wonderful performances too, but I, I, it is, it was his, the acting was superb. I mean, I thought that, you know, the acting color purple, there was some great acting. I don't know if anybody, I don't know if any actor carried it. I don't know. I mean, Whoopi Goldberg did an amazing job, but there were so many characters and there were so many nuances. Um, I think she, she was nominated for actor. I think. She was. Or actress. And I think, me. I think, what was it? And Oprah, then Oprah was, was nominated. nominated well, she did a great, I mean, the acting was great in both. I'm just, I'm nitpicking here. I'm just trying to, um, <laughs> You know, I think what it comes down to is we're trying to pick best 80s film. And I don't know. I just feel like the color purple is a little bit more iconic. Um, It just has this people know the movie, whether they've seen it or not. It's just like everybody knows that movie. And there's just something about it. I mean, it's it's been done on stage now. They're remaking it. I mean, there's just there's a lot of nuances to the movie. I mean, I think it. I think it's just stood the test of time longer, I guess. Um, I think Left Foot is a, it's just a smaller movie overall. It's just does not as broad. I mean, you, Steven Spielberg was the color purple. I just think yeah. it has more critical appeal in that sense. So I think I'm going to vote for color purple, but that's a tough choice. But yes, I'm giving it to color purple. If only there was a, a saying we could use to describe that choice. But hey, <laughs> color purple is moving on. I think she used it at the beginning of her. her uh, she did, she did. But I was, I was actually referencing Stephen's joke from back I, in April. I, I remember, I remember that was great. <laughs> color purple is moving on. The two play-in games are into the elite eight. We're going to see how far they can go, but we've got to figure out what the color purple is playing in the next round. The tenth seed is Hannah and her sisters. The seventh seed, the Elephant Man. Scott, we're starting with you. Again, uh, another bracket with two movies I absolutely love. I really do. I, um, I I watch them whenever they happen, even though Elephant Man can be difficult to watch. I just John Hurt is so brilliant in this movie, and so is Anthony Hopkins. Um, and um, Mel Brooks produced the movie. Most people don't realize that, and the reason why most people don't realize that is he purposely did not have his movie his name on the movie. His name does not appear anywhere in the credits, so that people wouldn't think it was a comedy. Um, but uh, that's why Anne Bancroft is in it. Um, uh, and I would be hard-pressed for anybody who is human to not be emotionally moved uh, when Anne Bancroft and the Elephant Man read the scene from Romeo and Juliet together. And she says, you're not an Elephant Man. You're Romeo. And anybody who's ever felt wronged, misplaced, ugly, mistreated, that line is everything. To me, it's one of the most important lines of the 1980 films. So it's just, and the, that film is stunning. Um, they use Adagio with strings. That's one of the first movies to really use Adagio's strings as he 
does a very simple thing. He has to sleep sitting up or else he will die. And you're no, you've known that from the beginning of the movie. And the last thing he does in the movie is take all the pillows off his bed. And you never actually see him die, but you know that that's what he's doing. And there's something so extraordinary about that uh, that really is is amazing. He has put the last finishing touches on his little cathedral. It's really quite a stunning movie. Um, there are certainly it's based on a true story, but it's not real. Um, uh, his the Elephant Man's real name was not uh, was Joseph Merrick, I believe, not Edward Merrick. And there are little other things that are thinking he never made that cathedral. There are things that aren't you know whatever. But it's a movie, <laughs> so you get to do with uh, artistic license. Okay, so. Um, Hannah and her sisters, um, I think arguably, I remember seeing this in college and we walked out of this movie going, we got to go back and see it again. <laughs> it, just, it was so well written. It was so well done. I love Max von Sydow in this movie. He plays Barbara Hershey's older mm-hmm. boyfriend who's trying to teach her everything. And he has one of the best lines again in 80s movies. He says, uh, if uh, Jesus Christ came back and saw the things that people say in his name, he would never stop throwing up. <laughs> yep. uh, it's a wonderful line, you know. Um, but I, I think arguably it's also one of the just it's a lovely movie. I know Woody Allen has his problems for a lot of people. I totally get that. I'm going to eschew all that. I'm not really here to talk about that. But this movie is really quite stunning. Although Sunni Previn is actually in it. <laughs> if you if you watch the movie very carefully, one of the children is Sunni Previn. Um, so there you go. So um, so I will I will talk about it. But um, it's all filmed in like his apartment. <laughs> it's like really quite crazy. Those are really Mia Farrow's real parents. <laughs> That's like what that is. <laughs> so it's really like what what's happening right now? We're just watching their their New York life come to full. Um, but anyway, it's it is uh, stunningly well written. But to me, I, I have to say it is slightly more in the. It is a drama, but it's slightly more in the comedic drama category for me, as most Woody Allen films fall into. And so for that, and because it means so much to me, and it's and I just want to be clear as the theater guy, this Elephant Man, this movie, is not in any way based on the play by Bernard Pomerantz, The Elephant Man, which was playing on Broadway at the same time with people like David Bowie were in it for a while and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. They're two entirely different scripts. They, one has nothing to do with the other. They're the same story, basically, but this movie is not based on a, the play. Um, but I just think it's brilliant. I think John Hurt, just for all that makeup he had to endure every day, I'm going to give him the vote and go with the Elephant Man. Elephant Man's got the vote. Natalie, over to you. It's always a little bit hard to follow you, Scott, because you know so much stuff. It's so interesting. <laughs> I'm like, well, I liked this one. <laughs> Chris is like, oh, for God's sakes, move on. <laughs> oh, no, 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 not at all. I'm, oh, you I'm know enthralled. everything. Just keep going. <sighs> no, I'm enthralled and then I'm thinking, oh, gosh, now I've got to think of something equally interesting to try and say, <laughs> which I don't have anything equally interesting to say. But what I will say is I've never liked Woody Allen and I agree we're not here to talk about his personal life stuff, but even just as a filmmaker, it's, yeah, his style has never really appe- appealed to me. I, I sat myself down one day and thought, right, um, I consider myself a lover of movies. I need to have seen Annie Hall. This is one of those movies you have to have seen. And I tried really hard and I didn't get through it. So, And, and it's very unlike me to, to walk away from things. I, um, I'm a bit of a completist. I like to, if I start a book, Moby, oh, maybe I shouldn't say this to, to you guys because the book Moby Dick 
from my understanding in American culture is so valued and man, I found that a hard read. And so maybe this isn't the right forum to, to use that as my example of I finished Moby Dick and I didn't finish any haul. No, I think you, I think as Americans, we all agree it's a valued read that's hard to read. I think okay. Agree okay, good. Exactly right. Spot on. Excellent. Um, so yeah, so I do love a family saga, but again, Woody Allen, I just, I struggled to get on board with his storytelling and particularly if he's in the movie as well. I just It's just not an enjoyable experience for me. Um, I hadn't seen The Elephant Man. The, the thing that just really grabbed me, obviously the story aside, was how much it looked like a movie, not just a, a period piece, but a movie that was actually made back in the 30s or 40s and I know it was set earlier than that. But, like, I had to keep reminding myself, this movie was made in the 80s because it just looked so much like those that earlier cinema. And so cinematically I found it to be very, very impressive. And, and yeah, I think the story was well told. The acting was really good. More tears um, for that one, which, you know, if we're in the drama prestige bracket, that should get some votes. So Elephant Man. Elephant Man picked up a vote. It's up to nil. Next pick here goes to Jeremy. Um, Natalie and I are on the really exact same page in this, I think. Um, I am not a Woody Allen fan. I have tried over the years to get into his movies because I know that they're critically acclaimed. Um, and again, leaving besides the fact that uh, personal life, just not good. Um <laughs> <laughs> I don't know another way to put it. Um, I, I remember trying to watch this movie at one point, and this was the other one I haven't really seen because I started it and got real bored really fast and turned it off. Um, the Elephant Man, on the other hand, um, ironically, not a giant David Lynch fan uh, for the most part. It, his stuff is just really out there and weird. Um, but with that said, uh, this movie I watched just almost couldn't take your eyes off of it the whole time. It was just, it is up his alley with the fact that it's a very weird story, but at the same time, it is a very moving uh, story. And I think it was Scott that said, like, it, there's some lines in this movie for you to hear that. And especially if you've ever felt um, like you don't belong, it's, it's really heartwarming. And uh, that, just for that alone, uh, elephant man's going to get my vote. Elephant man up three nil. Let's go to Nikki. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm the same way. I struggle with all the Woody Allen films. And I don't even know if it's a personal thing. I just, the style is off for me. Um, no, Hannah and her sisters, I liked in the sense, I just thought, I love the actresses. I mean, Diane West, uh, Barbara Hershey. And it did have, you know, some funny parts in, in dynamic. But the drama, again, I just, I, I think part, part of the problem with the Woody Allen films in general is I just never seem to like anybody. Everybody is so flawed in the sense that I just don't care about anybody. <laughs> um, like nobody's is redeemable. It feels like in most of his films. Um, so I, I just didn't buy all the relationship between the sisters. So, and then elephant man, I agree. I think it's just such a, it's a hard film. I mean, I, I, it's, it's not one that I would go back and watch multiple times, to be honest. Like, it, it's just not something I would sit and be like, oh, I really feel like watching Elephant Man today. Um, but that being said, it is beautifully shot. Um, and 
a very interesting story. So yes, my my vote would go for Elephant Man. I think it is the superior film here. All right. Elephant Man's got another vote. Mike. All right. I'm going to step up in a little bit as the one, the one person apparently who actually enjoys Woody Allen films. Oh, I, I love Woody Allen films. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. No, that, that, no that's, that's fair, Scott. Yeah, I but, was raised an hour, an hour outside of New York and went to New York as a child. So I, I was like, look, it's the New York in the movies. It's great. Yep. No, I, yeah, but but um, Woody, Woody Allen, I, I find to be a very interesting filmmaker. I've seen a lot of his films. I've by no means seen all of them because, just because he's he's been very prolific. I've enjoyed the vast majority of them, including Hannah and her sisters. But for the most part, I've never gone back and revisited any of them. Now, Hannah and her sisters, I think, is actually very well done. It's a great story. I love I love the. Um, I love the dynamic between all the sisters. I love that it's a very complex and interesting story about interpersonal relationships within a family. I uh, and I remember it definitely have a uh, the line that Scott quoted is one of my, one of the ones that definitely stuck sticks with me about if Jesus Christ ever came back. Uh, I definitely remembered that one. Uh, and I and I do I like Hannah and her sisters a lot. Um, I like a lot of Woody Allen films a lot, but but there's there's very few actually. I don't think there's any that I've gone back and rewatched. Um, I'm not saying that I wouldn't, but I'm just saying that I haven't uh, because I find him interesting as a filmmaker. But I absorb his movies and then I kind of move on. I don't think about them a whole lot. I think about Elephant Man. Elephant Man still sticks with me. Um, you know, as as Scott also alluded to, they, you know, they they kind of got some of the they they didn't do the details completely right. Like his name was Joseph Merrick, not um, you know, in real life and stuff like that. But but yeah, there 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 is so much with that story that is just it's ex, it's extremely fascinating. It sticks with you a lot. Um, I came into this honestly not knowing which way I was going to vote, and as as much as I'm tempted to give. Hannah and her sisters a, a courtesy vote just because just because I feel like I've been it's been me versus everybody else on a lot of these and I just I kind of want to I this is a tough one I just kind of want to feel part of the crowd for once so uh because I was I wasn't sure which way I'm gonna go and I think uh a lot of what the other panelists have said uh really would have swayed me anyway if it had come down to me I, I'm gonna give the elephant man my vote and the sweep the sweep for the elephant man we got two picks left this episode. We're going to jump right over to it. Natalie, you're kicking us off here in the one that if you break Leah's heart, I have to deal with it. I'll remind you of that. Okay, the that's scary. Seed. Oh, it's scary for me. The three seed <laughs> stuff. The 14 seed Dead Poet Society. The choice is yours. Okay. Well, I just, when you just said, Mike, about, oh, I've kind of been against, I want, I just want to be part of the group this time something niggled in my brain. I was like, hang on, that theme was in one of the movies. I went, it was Dead Poets Society. And I was like, and that's coming up next. So I just had this vision of you stepping into line like they do in the courtyard scene where um, where they suddenly all start walking in sync. So that, that was a nice little segue. Um, yeah, Dead Poets Society, it's a great movie. I think it's it certainly stood the test of time. It's one of those ones that, that everybody knows about, even if they haven't seen it. Um, it's such a pleasure to watch Robin Williams in anything that he does and how he can move seamlessly between comedy and drama and continue to do that through all of his career. I like how that it, 
well, maybe not most, a lot of the time when a movie is set in a school setting like that, it's sort of the underprivileged kids, the the rough neighbourhoods and the teacher coming in and sort of saving the day and this one had that little bit of point of difference that it was a, a different type of setting and a different type of relationship between the, the students and the teachers and, and it was kind of fun to see, well, fun, I don't know if that's the right word, to see Kurtwood Smith pop up because we're currently doing a rewatch of that 70s show with our girls and so he was sort of like the less fun version of um, Red Foreman <laughs> in this. All the worst parts of Red, and none of the none of the nice bits. Um, but but still enjoyed watching that. And that final scene is just so well played. So yes, very much a big fan of Dead Poets Society. Uh, I hadn't seen the right stuff, hadn't even heard of the right stuff, but I quite enjoyed it. It was it was an interesting watch it was another very long one probably felt a little bit more like an informational it was filling me in on a whole lot of things I knew a little bit about it was fleshing out some of the some of the story for me I liked that there was a little Australian component that they they took a little visit out to the outback that was it was interesting um so yeah really don't have anything bad to say about the right stuff but Dead Poet Society gets my vote without question Dead Poet Society got its first vote let's go to Jeremy all right. Uh, the Right Stuff is a fantastic movie, especially if you like, I don't know if biopic's the right word on this one particularly, because it's more of about a whole bunch of different people uh, involved. Historical nonfiction with some fiction thrown in. I mean, they're, they're, they it's a movie. They embellished. But um, the story's fantastic. It's really interesting to see what they went through, or particularly if I think it's towards the beginning of the movie, uh, all of the test pilots who died <laughs> in the early part of this. Um, and then these guys, you know, make it through and then end up being the uh, on project Mercury. Um, I, I love stuff like that. Uh, I love learning about, you know, the space program and all of that. And just to this day, follow it as much as I can, everything going on with that said, Oh, captain, my captain, um, the dead poet society is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, I can watch this anytime if it was well, when I still had cable, if it was on TV, uh, it would just that that's what's going on that or Shawshank. If, it's, if they're ever playing, those movies go on and I will watch them over and over again. Um, everyone in the movie was just fantastic. Um, Robin Williams with his first real fully non-comedy role, I think. Uh, Good Morning Vietnam was still kind of comedy in there too, but this movie was like him really in a full-on drama and just I don't know. This movie makes me feel things. <laughs> uh, I, I, I have no other way to say it. I have not watched this movie. I've seen this movie probably 30 times and never have dry eyes by the end of it. Um, uh, with that said, I'm sorry to the right stuff because it is a great movie, but it, I'll talk more about this later uh, because it is going to hopefully be moving on here. Dead Poet Society is getting my vote. All right, Nikki, over to you. <laughs> I know Mike's looking at me. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. The problem is, is I think the right stuff is a great film. It, it is hard for me. It's it's just so long. It's three and a half hours. That's a. It's just a long film. Um, and I appreciate it. It's just not necessarily my kind of film but i really appreciate it and it is a is a great film um 
but I just agree. I mean, Dead Poet Society, it's just, it's a nostalgia pick for me. I love that movie. I grew up with that movie. So I'm going to have to give it to Dead Poet Society. I'm sorry, Mike. I think, I think I might be getting divorced. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I appreciate the right stuff for what it is. Absolutely. Well, our first instance of the wife sleeping on the couch at night. <laughs> Mike, over to you. Did we get this right? You know, I'm really glad that this doesn't come down to me because this this is one of those moments, and it happens uh, periodically in boozy bracketology, where this and it's going to happen several times uh, through the course of this '80s movies bracket. I might add, where the seating just plays out in such a way that it creates matchups that just absolutely kick you in the balls. And this is one for me. Uh, I have a, a long uh, story to history and love with the space program. I think The Right Stuff is a fantastic movie. I think it tells that whole story so great uh, from the beginnings with with Chuck Yeager and his, as uh, Jeremy alluded to all the other test pilots uh, along the way, uh, straight through that majestic scene of John Glenn orbiting the Earth and everything like that. It's just, it's so wonderful to watch. And, but I agree with the previous panelists that Dead Poet Society is a major nostalgia pick for me. Uh, Robin Williams kills it. Uh, I I think I probably would have uh, connected a lot with Ethan Hawke's character, the 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 shy guy. You know, I I, I definitely connect with him. Uh, it, it's a wonderful film. I'm not upset. It's moving on, and I'm actually very happy that the choice doesn't come down to me. I. I honestly, I wasn't even 100% sure which way I was going to vote on this. And since it doesn't come down to me, I'm going to give the right stuff my vote. But I, ultimately, I can't be upset about this. But I will say I am curious which one, which, which way is breaking Leah's heart? Because I would imagine she would have affinity for both of these films. <laughs> uh, let's take a look what Scott has to say first before I uh, <laughs> unveil where Leah's true passions lie. Uh, well, uh, Nikki, um, just fair warning after what Mike just said, and since Daniel Day-Lewis is not available, uh, Mike, w- anytime, man, because I agree. I, I am – the space program has always meant a lot to me. I was four years old when we landed on the moon, hmm. and I have never looked back. I have been thrilled by the space program ever since I was a little, little boy. Um uh, I remember a friend of my mother's went down to Florida when the space shuttle was a prototype and they brought back all the specs and all these things about the space shuttle. I thought that was the greatest thing in the world. So I've always been interested in the space program and the right stuff certainly does capture that era captures the feeling of what it meant, what we were trying to do that you have to remember was impossible. It wasn't just that it was hard to do. It was impossible what they were trying to do. Um, it had never, they didn't even know what they were doing. They were based on protractor science <laughs> to try <laughs> to figure out how to get a guy to orbit the earth. You have to realize that's impossible what they were doing. Um, and let alone go to the moon. <laughs> that's a whole other concept. So, um, so anyway, the right stuff is brilliant. And, uh, it's funny, you know, Sam Shepard didn't make a lot of movies, but we've talked about two of them in this. Yeah, right. <laughs> like Sam Shepard's in everything. You'd think he was in every movie in the eighties. Um, but anyway, so the right stuff, but that all being said, um, huddle up, uh, get close to where you're listening to the podcast. Just listen very closely, very closely. Carpe. <laughs> Carpe. <laughs> 
Um, I have to tell you, uh, again, I was in college when the movie came out. I went to Gettysburg College. And I was, uh, I, uh, to please my mother, I was a political science major saying to her, I'm studying law. But my minor was theater. <laughs> so, and so theater was important to me. Um, so we go to see the movie. Uh, you know, no one knows who Robert Sean Leonard is. Nobody knows who Ethan Hawke is. These people were unknown people in the universe. You know, you, we knew who Robin Williams was. We all loved him. We all we were going to see a Robin Williams movie. We didn't know these kids. And, we, and then we realized the kids are our age. They're, 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 they're young. They're, I was only probably 19 or whatever when we saw the movie. And I was a theater kid. And I just was so thinking when and of course everyone's seen the movie when robert sean leonard does the most beautiful version of puck i have ever seen <laughs> and i'm telling you i've seen a lot of midsummer night's dream i've directed midsummer night's dream his puck man is right up there as the best interpretation when his character kills himself they had to carry me out of the theater i was so distraught i could not function I, I, I was so crying. I, I didn't even watch the... I had to watch the movie a second time to know what happened after he killed himself because I was so impacted by that and so distraught by that 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 is certainly an iconic thing in, in for my life. So um, sorry to be long-winded on that, but that movie means so much to me, uh, not alone for what Robin Williams did. Well, standing in our chairs later uh, when it wins, but um, uh, yeah. I'm voting for Dead Poets Society. And with that, y'all have pissed off my wife. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's what I thought. Yeah, Leah is obsessed with the uh, the early space space program and the astronauts involved. But hey, I remember having that conversation. We're not here to placate that. one person, even though I love her more than anything in this world. We're moving on. Or so me and Mike, but we have to move on. The six eleven matchup is the last one we have. The six seed on Golden Pond. The eleven seed ordinary people. And Jeremy, we're kicking this off with you. Ah, so this is kind of a hard one for me because I have seen both of these movies. Um, I don't think either of them really like stuck with me. Maybe it was the time of my life I saw them. Um, but ordinary people, um, from what I remember, I, I know it's Robert Redford. Um, at least he directed it. Donald Sutherland, um, is in it. I, I almost said uh, Kiefer, and I'm like, that's not right. It's his dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mary Tyler Moore, Judd Hirsch. Um, it takes place in the Chicago area. Uh, I, I, I remember that. It is a. It was a good movie. I enjoyed it. I don't remember a lot about it because I said I think I saw it in maybe I was like 15, 16 and getting kind of called into this, uh, this podcast and I, more of the last minute. I didn't have time to go back and rewatch them. Otherwise I would have probably watched everything. Um, so I don't have a strong feeling either way. Like on golden pond, I really don't remember a lot of, um, I know it was Catherine Hepburn. It was the Fonda's. I don't remember who else is in the movie. Um, I I think because just because I remember more of it, uh, I'm just going to vote for ordinary people and move on. Um, I, I just, again, neither of these movies, like I, it doesn't bother me which one moves on. I, I have no strong feelings either way. Never felt the need to go back and watch either of them again, either. So there you go. Ordinary people that, has an apathetic first vote. We're going over to Nikki next. Yeah. Oh, we sorry. Watched... Hold on. Jeremy, I was going to, I was going to pop. 
there, there we go. go. Nice. <laughs> Nikki, you know, over to you. We were doing where we were trying to watch all the best pictures. Yeah, we that, got about 10. Yeah, we got we, we didn't <laughs> last that long. But um, and so we watched Ordinary People. That was one of the ones we watched because mm-hmm. we both had not seen that one because we were trying to do ones that we hadn't seen. I don't know. I mean, it was fine. I, I it wasn't it wasn't terrible. It wasn't. I mean, it was it was depressing and it was, you know, about a family dealing with grief and, you know, grief is such a tricky thing. And, you know, I thought the dynamics of the family were well acted and um, very realistic. Um, but I don't know. It just I, it, again, it didn't stick with me. It just was kind of like I saw it and I watched it and I didn't think about it much more again. Um, it was a very depressing movie. Um, but they all came together. Um, and then on Golden Pond, I have good memories of that movie. I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a, I don't know, it kind of reminds me of the movie Up. You know, it's this like old man who's like very, <laughs> you know, ornery. And then he has this young boy who kind of like, you know, puts a pep in his step and everything. Um, you know, and it is about his, you know, his past relationship with his daughter I mean, they're both kind of these family dramas. I think my vote's going to go for On Golden Pond just because I it's just a little more uplifting for me. I don't know. I mean, even though the ending was sort of ambiguous, um, like, I, I, I'm not really sure. I, th- I feel like the ending was like, uh, like letting go of his kids and realizing he's old. I don't remember all of it, but I, I remember overall it was a little more uplifting. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to go for On Golden Pond. On Golden Pond's got his first vote, Mike. Yeah, on that best picture journey, we did watch Ordinary People, but another movie that we watched that is not somehow in the drama prestige bracket is Amadeus. Amadeus should be winning this whole freaking thing. That movie's amazing. How is that? Maybe it's going to pop up over in the music bracket. I don't know, but it it feels like a glaring omission here. Um, Of these two, I'm going to, uh, whose turn is it to sleep on the couch? I've, we've, we've flipped back and forth like I four times. I think you're both on the bracket. couch now. Yeah. yeah I, th- I, think I think at this point both, we I are. Yeah. Just in, in a yeah. House. Exactly. Cause I feel the exact opposite in a way on golden pond. I'm, I'm more in Jeremy's camp on golden pond was pretty forgettable to me. I remember thinking, wow, this is really cool. Having, having a uh, Henry Fonda and, uh, Catherine Hepburn in the same movie. Uh, the less said about Jane Fonda, the better. Uh, but, uh, I, but that was about it. Like I don't, nothing in that movie sticks with me really. Ordinary people on the other hand is a movie that has stuck, that has stuck with me. I think the performances, not that the performances in on golden pond aren't great, but just, uh, just across the board and in, in ordinary people, they stick with me. And a part of that might be a very much playing against type Mary Tyler Moore. I don't know, but um, just that, just that whole notion of, of learning to forgive Timothy Hutton's character, learning to forgive himself for something that wasn't even really his fault. Uh, th- that, w- that was powerful to me. I, th- I think it's, a, I think it's a very well done movie. Uh, I'll be honest. I have a sneaking suspicion that neither one of these movies is getting past the next round. Uh, but I'm going to give my vote to ordinary people. Ordinary people's got a second vote. Scott, what do you think? I'm sitting here in stunned silence. I, I just, I, I have to say I'm a completely opposite of what everyone has just said. These are probably two of my favorite movies of not, not just of the eighties, but of like of all time. Um, on Golden Pond is based on a play, another one based on a play. And, um, uh, just be known. I am 
Catherine Hepburn's biggest fan, and so again, she could read the phone book, and I'd be very entertained. Um, you know, if, if if you have this kind of reaction to them, I'm not I'm not understanding if you were distracted or watching something else. On Golden Pond, is such a tightly beautifully written film from you know beginning to end it really is um and uh and henry fonda is brilliant they both won academy awards it was her fourth academy award and it was his first and believe it or not mm. they had never met the the uh, they had been in hollywood together all those years and they had actually never met each other which was un very unusual um but um and it was really shot wherever they, they were um and um and jane fonda's brilliant i mean she's fine um that being said i and i love on golden pond i just love it i i have to say um i also love ordinary people and always have uh again I, it was another movie i was devastated by when i watched it it really shows uh i i have to disagree with you nikki they don't all come together at the end <laughs> Mary Tyler Moore walks away from her family <laughs> very pointedly at the end of the movie uh, and leaves them to grieve without because she can't deal with it anymore. Um, Mary Tyler Moore, when she recently died, um, there was uh, a, a newfound, um, especially on the internet, of this movie. Because, yes, as Mike said, it's so played against her type. And so there's the scene where she's at the, the, they're at the golf course. And someone says, well, you know, let's have drinks and let the, kind of this be merry kind of a thing. And she said, you know, just make sure that your kids are all right, that they're not going to just drown in that pool that you're so, you know, uh, proud of and everything. Make sure before you start your, your life going on that everybody's fine and isn't going to die, you know. So it, it, the, it really bespokes grief in a very unusual way and she's often thought of as a bitch in the movie and often really do, but she's just reacting and she, she it, it is really a, a case there was a mother who lo actually loved one of her children more than she loved the other and when that child was gone she couldn't show love for the other child and and i think that's more real than people believe that it is and i think that that really happen she she because one child dies she can't now chastise the other child for anything he she no matter what she says to him if it's a negative it sounds like she's being hard on him because his brother died so you know it's it's a very it's a very dynamic movie robert redford deserved the academy award for best director i think really it's really a study of what that kind of family is so as much as i love on golden pond and katherine hepburn I, i'm gonna pick um ordinary people Ordinary people is going to move on. Natalie, did we get this right? Oh, Scott, I agree with all of those things that you just said. I, I thought I was going to be the outlier going, but guys, these movies are fantastic. What's happening? So when you started talking, I was like, oh, good. <laughs> I wasn't imagining that. <laughs> um, one thing, I, I actually have never been a huge Catherine Hepburn fan, though, so I, I do have a little point of difference there. But I, I did love On Golden Pond. Um, I think there's some really nice scenes in there. There's some great sort of those awkward banter kind of scenes between Norman and the boyfriend that just make your skin crawl, but you enjoy oh, it all I, at the same time. Gonna, I'm sorry, Natalie. We're never – this movie might not go on. It's, it's a, her, her best line, Catherine Hepburn's best line is, Dabney Coleman's afraid. He thinks there's bears and deers. He goes, what is that? What is that down there? And in her best Catherine Hepburn board, she goes, that – is a lawn chair. <laughs> yeah, so so I did. I really I really enjoyed that. Um, but ordinary people I was I was kind of obsessed with and I in 
in my other life when I'm not sitting talking with you guys about these fun things, I, I'm a clinical psychologist and my um, area of special interest is relationship therapy. So I spend my days sitting with couples and, and working with them through all the challenges of life. And um, and I think that that Ordinary People was just so well written and it just shows how something, and, and I guess here I'm focusing specifically on the relationship between the parents um, but shows how something that was working so beautifully can suddenly not be working so well when it's placed under strain. And I just thought that that was, it wasn't oversold, it wasn't overplayed, it was just very true to to form. And, and I've actually been quite nervous about this particular bracket because I feel very strongly about ordinary people going on and um, and I was my heart hasn't been broken yet, and I was thinking it might have gotten broken right at the eleventh hour. But um, ordinary people is moving on, and and I'm well and truly in support of that because I just thought it was distressing and difficult to watch, but very very well done. Well, there you have it, folks. The Elite Eight is going to feature Steel Magnolias against Parenthood, Gandhi against Rain Man, The Color Purple against the Elephant Man and Dead Poet Society against Ordinary People. Holy crap, what? these are going to be tough decisions. <laughs> Check the show notes if you want to get in contact with us or if you want to support us on our Patreon. By all means, all that information will be right down there in the show notes. We're going to go ahead and sign off for the night for the Boozy Bracketology Podcast. I have been Chris. Nikki. I'm Mike. I'm the future Mr. Daniel Day-Lewis. Scott. <laughs> I'm Natalie. And I'm Jeremy. We'll see you next week for the championship round. Have a good one.